0: we are live what's up everybody welcome to another episode of police off the cuff after hours my name is mark DeMayo. i'm your host i'm here with my co-host my partner in all things law enforcement the very handsome bill cannon what's up buddy
1: yo what's up man i'm so excited to have dr beth sanborn detective beth sanborn mommy beth sanborn she wears many, many wife beth sanborn she wears many 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 hats
0: Yes, she does. She was a 20 year uh 20 plus year police officer and detective with uh, I'm gonna try and say this right, uh Gwended,
2: Close, yeah. Lower Gwynedd, very good.
0: Lower Gwynedd police force in Philly. Um uh, she was in the patrol's division and somehow she's talking
1: in the past tense, she's still on the job.
0: Well, you're still on the job? Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. All right, so there you go. So uh you were you started working with kids. And you developed this uh, mentoring program and a uh, counseling program while you were also getting educated. You got your doctorate research on uh, uh, the Pennsylvania School Resource Officer as a mentor mentor and counselor. That was your doctorate. Um, and uh, you're here with us tonight. Thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. You gave me a lot more credit than I'm actually due, but I mean, we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, there was, I, I there was a
0: lot more. There was a lot more there, but I, <laughs> I get tired of reading after like five minutes. So I read the first <laughs> paragraph, and that was it. I bailed out. I said three more paragraphs. I can't do this.
2: Just get the highlights. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thanks sure for coming
1: on. The cop too, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, he is. He's wow. a sergeant. He outranks me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, he's a sergeant. Does he order you around at home? Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> well, he's not I, right now, so so if- I
1: used to try to get my wife to call me Sarge, but she would Bill
0: used to
2: me. order his wife around. <laughs>
1: yeah. But then she had, she had a bigger job than me and she tried to order me around, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're still on the job, huh?
2: God bless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Today was a difficult day, but I mean, they're all difficult days, but they're rewarding days. Yeah. So uh, I got home a little while ago. It was time to like quick move into mom mode and then get ready for round two. And this is my round two for tonight.
0: Why was today difficult?
2: I, you know what, we're kind of jumping ahead, but when you work with kids and you're you're really invested in what you do and you're really into their future and their presence and trying to help them you you take it takes an emotional toll on you 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 want them to succeed you want them to make smart choices and that's an adorable picture um yeah
1: that's detective beth look at that she's so happy so smiley if you wouldn't be in a nypd radio call looking like that
2: <laughs> <laughs> what you can see is the manicure My you manicure face like awesome. this.
1: You're, you're in the bag. <laughs>
0: In that photo in in New York, you call it you're in the bag.
1: Is it? Do they use that slang in Pennsylvania when you're in uniform? They call it the bag.
2: No, I exactly. yeah, that's an
1: old time expression. And you know what they call an old time cop in New York City? What's that? A hairbag. <laughs> and you know why they call them that? Because old time cops would never spend money on new uniforms, so it looked like hair would be growing out of it. You know how when a garment gets old, <laughs> so that's how they got the name hairbag. I love that. Express great that was M- the, code, the history, right?
0: Well, that was the coat that they used to wear. Was that uh you know you could wear like basically a t-shirt underneath it, but then you'd throw this thing on and it. It basically buttoned with these gold buttons from your the, from the, your neck all the way down, and it was just a jacket that you threw on over your t-shirt.
2: Oh my gosh!
0: And that thing was made out of wool, and it, like when it got old, like Bill said, it used to collect. <laughs> Like hair. Yeah, it looked like hair.
1: It was even a poem, Brass Buttons, Blue Coat, Couldn't Catch a Nanny Goat. You never heard that one? <laughs> yeah. That would probably very apropos in Pennsylvania where you do have nanny goats.
0: <laughs> so um, so you're still on... Wow, that's amazing that you Because most of our guests are retired. You know what wow. I'm saying? So it's cool that you're still on the job. But um, I would imagine now you're, you're like in a special place right now. You're just exclusively working with the kids. Are, are you doing much patrol anymore?
2: No, no, no. So uh, I came off of patrol about six years ago. Um, I had been on patrol for about 18 years. And listen, I'm in the suburbs of Philadelphia. We're a very affluent community. It's a quiet neighborhood, uh, but there's a lot of money there. And where there's money, you, you might tend to have some crime, your burglaries, your property crimes. But we're a very service-oriented area. Uh, we treat our residents really well. There's high expectations for how we interact with the public. And when you're in kind of like a quiet, sleepy bedroom community at night, you can only listen to every song on every radio station and know every word before you just kind of like go a little crazy. I mean, I was playing Candy Crush every night. And when my Lieutenant approached me with this position saying like, hey, listen, our school district and the police department wants to start this school resource officer program, I think it'd be a really good fit for your personality. It'd be great for the school, it'd be great for us. The hours are Monday to Friday, 7 to 3, and I was like, stop right there.
1: I'm in. And weekends <laughs> off, right? Weekends <laughs> off.
2: Um, so it was great. So about six years ago, I walked into the halls of a high school in January, mid-school year, and it like brought me right back to my high school years, and I was immediately nervous and freaked out. I was worried my zipper was down. There was a booger hanging from my nose. I walked into a cafeteria with 300 kids. And I was like, I hate every second of this. It was so awful. I mean, you walk in the the needle skips across the record and they all stop and look at you. I'm like, Oh, Hey, hi. Um, but I, I, I have never once shied away from a challenge. And I took this opportunity to get to know the kids, to learn the culture, learn the subculture, learn the language, find out what these kids were all about. And I realized that it brought me back to like that the police academy days like that starting in police work when like what do all the old heads say like why did you get into police work like I want to help people (laughs) and you don't get to do that on patrol like you might occasionally get to do that here and there but it's a lot of Responding to calls, it's a lot of filling out paperwork. It's a lot of check boxes and bureaucracy. But when you work with a kid, and when you work with them when there's when there's no real crisis going on, you get that ability to help people. You get that ability to help work with a kid and to help them achieve their success. And I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. This this was why I got into policing. And I'll tell you what, I some days are hard. I'm not gonna lie. There are some days where I leave and like I'm drained. And I am just beaten down, battered and bruised. And yet I, I wake up the next morning and I'm like, I can't wait to get back there.
0: Well, that's good though. that's that's the best part of life. It really is. when you find something that you really enjoy doing and you're passionate about it, even if it beats you up, you know you want to get back there. you know, you got it. You,
1: the you kids the it. kids must look at you as like a, a mother figure, especially kids that don't have a, a parent or missing a parent, right?
2: Yeah, so so that's the piece of it. Like I, I told you, we're in an affluent suburban Philadelphia com- community. Like you should see our student parking lot. Each one of those cars are nicer than anything that I've ever driven. And do yeah, the
1: parents try to give you a give you tips when you do a good job?
2: No, not
1: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> those days are long gone. Well, how <laughs> about how about the house sitting my house for a month? <laughs> I, I would be great. Like imagine that.
2: Hey, listen, a lot of our houses have a point in their price tag. And once you're at 1.2 and 1.4, but like, you know, it's funny. Here's the thing. Even in my community, I still have kids who don't eat. I still have kids who don't have uh, safe homes. I still have kids who are being malnourished, maltreated, that are being ignored. They're being neglected. They're being abused. It happens
0: yeah, because they have an eating disorder. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's it's
1: there. They just keep throwing it but, up. You know, your, Beth, your neighborhood is so different. Like, we would walk drive around or walk around Times Square at midnight, and we'd see four year olds and six year olds out at midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And to any other police department, that would be child abuse. But to New York City, it was just like you had to like ignore it because it was just part of the culture back back then. So
2: I have to tell you, a couple weeks ago, I took my first trip ever to New York City and I went to Times Square. I'm telling you, it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Marijuana had just been legalized. It was the biggest shock to me I have ever experienced because for 24 years, marijuana has been illegal. Marijuana has been a crime. And all of a sudden I come out of the hotel and there's a dude standing next to me smoking a joint. And as soon as we walk into Times Square, there's a guy standing on the corner going, good weed, good weed, good weed. I'm like,
0: Oh, man. Yeah, that happens though. I wouldn't buy that weed, though. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you come to New York, I'm going to give you a little hint, OK? Uh, this is something, three words you take with you when you come to New York, and they work like a charm. You ready for this? Nah, I'm good. Every time somebody's trying to sell you some, it's not, it's not going to be weed. It's probably not Coke. I guarantee you it's not Coke. Uh, and it's not. There's no music on that DVD, uh, CD you just bought. You just say nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good.
2: That's fantastic. Was the guy? Was the big panda bear? I mean, is that like always there?
0: Uh, you know what? You, you right now you're seeing Times Square at its like minuscule. During um, on a regular before uh, COVID, man, you know, it's walking through Times Square. Nobody, no New Yorker does it really. Like no, but no New Yorker walks through Times Square. It's just you know, because it's all tourists. They're all looking around. You avoid that area like the plague.
2: Yeah, that was totally me. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but no, it's good to see it, you know. And the next time you come to the city, you got to let me know. I'll, uh, you, you come to a comedy show. You know what's, uh, you know what's funny? What you said? You said, uh, I want to help people. Like when you said that about the job, like I, you know, when people get on and they want to help people. Yeah,
2: you're gonna laugh at me. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. I, never, I,
0: never, I, I my first thought is like I want a gun. <laughs> my second thought was I want a parking plaque. <laughs> my third thought was I want to get out of this in 20 years. My my fourth thought was uh that uniform gets a lot of tail. Yeah, <laughs> the
1: the blue magnet they used to call it. Blue magnet. Yeah. You know, Mark. Beth told me that her chief is going to be listening to this, and if we get a little bit too risque, he's just going to like have some cops come there and pull her out, like with the shepherd's crook. You know, <laughs> I,
2: might, I might be experiencing some technical difficulties.
1: That's I'm right. Sure. I'm really <laughs> in her ear saying, "Beth, get out now!
2: Get <laughs> off that show
0: now!" You know what the difference is too is like you know we have school officers here too in New York. Okay, and it's, it's it's like way different. Like if you would see what it's like. At three o'clock in the afternoon at a public high school, it you know, the kids getting out, uh, and there's, there's always a cop assigned to it, and they know all the kids and stuff like that. But uh, every day it's uh, you like, I'm sure it happens to you as well because you mentioned it today was a rough day, but over here it's crazy, man. Well, yeah, right now in
1: New York City, we have what are called predator and victim schools, so. The victim schools are the schools, the rich kids come out, and then the predator schools are the poor kids, and they rob the kids from the, the, the prey school. Wow. So, what the principals and the police department had to come up with was staggered dis, um, dismissal times. Yeah. So, let the prey school get out first, uh. so they're out of here, and then let the predators out. There's no one you, to-
0: you know what they started to do, too? They started chopping up the schools. So, you'd have a school that was like four floors. So the top floor would be like the smart kids for some reason, and then it would be like the medium kids, and then the, the first the first two floors would be like the last one would be like special ed. So you had to go through the gauntlet if you were one of the on the fourth floor. They had to let you out early, so that,
2: because otherwise you were going to get attacked. Wow! I'll tell you what, there there's so many different interventions and things that schools are doing to try to avoid problems and try to mitigate, make sure that the kids are staying safe. I, I was, I was talking to someone who was a man, I wish I could remember who it was right now, was telling me that in their schools on Friday, they all wear wore uniforms. And uniforms the, the kids still fought like crazy. They, they didn't care. But on Fridays, when they had most of their fights, they started a dress down Friday where the kids could wear their own clothes. And their fights stopped because the kids didn't want to fight in their good clothes. This was the oh, stuff. So they wanted to go off to their other people, and all of a sudden on Fridays they didn't have any more fights. And I'm like, see, that's a smart person right there.
0: Yeah, but you know what's so different about that in New York? Because I went to a, a Catholic high school, we had to wear uniforms, and everybody got along just fine. Especially when I was growing up, it was a lot. It wasn't like segregation, but you know where you're supposed to be at a certain time in New York back then. You didn't want to be in the wrong neighborhood. Um, we used to wear uniforms and everybody got along fine. And then we had the dress down every once in a while. Uh, that's when all the groups got separated because it was mostly about music. But the kids who were into rock and roll, they stuck with their own and the kids who were into, uh, there was no mingling at all on, the, on that day.
2: Uh, so it was like breakfast club. Everybody had their own little separate. Yeah. yeah.
0: But when we wore the uniform, everybody seemed to like get along just fine. So it's so funny that you mentioned that it's a complete opposite. Wow. But kids are weird.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, well, Beth, what do you have a big opioid problem in your community?
2: So uh, yes, but no. So Pennsylvania is like super fractured. We've got lots of tiny little jurisdictions, and we all kind of work independently from each other. Uh, you know, we, we try to coordinate. We try to collaborate and help each other out. But there is a lot of, of fractured policing here that happens in Pennsylvania. I'm only 10 miles north of Philadelphia. So there is an opioid problem here, but it's not directly hitting our immediate community. That's not to say that we don't have it. We're having the isolated you know, instance here and there. And I base that on like our Narcan usage and medical calls, but when you really start to look at our like our school community which is a great representation of of the larger community it's not hitting us directly here and i kind of want to like knock on my table to say that because listen i mean it's devastating and i don't i don't wouldn't wish that on anybody but you know here's the other piece of it where there's money you can afford drugs and some of these kids can afford some decent stuff or at least they think they're getting decent stuff but they don't know what it is that they're getting And they don't know how to use it and they're experimenting and it's and it's scary. But when this happens in a giant home away from the street, away from other neighbors, and there's a medical emergency or there's an overdose or there's a problem, like your neighbors don't know about it necessarily. You know, it's not like my neighborhood where I live right now. We're all on top of each other's neighbors, and you know, God forbid I turn the light on to get a to get a drink at two o'clock in the morning, and my neighbors text me. Everything okay? What are you doing up? (laughs)
1: What are you what are you drinking these days, Beth? (laughs)
2: I'm more of a diet coke and a fruit punch kind of girl. Oh, I mean, when
1: you have a, when you have an adult beverage, what is that adult beverage?
2: So I'm a type one diabetic, which means I'm super, super careful with everything that I ingest, which means I'm not really a whole lot of fun. So when I tell you that I'm mostly a diet coke kind of girl, I'd say I'm I'm almost entirely a diet coke kind of girl. That's my vice. Oh,
1: okay, I'm not gonna push it. I mean, you know, I'm just <laughs> I have empty cases of Cabernet in my garbage, you know. People across the street there, we know what you drink. Oh, what, a mystery. what a mystery it is.
2: But at 2 o'clock, I can still grab a can of soda, and I can also finish up that can of soda at 6 a.m. when I wake up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't fool around with the diabetes either. I have friends that passed away from diabetes. I know the severity of it. Uh, I, and I always said to myself, if I got diabetes, I would, I wouldn't cheat at all.
2: Oh, I certainly cheat. Oh, let's let's be clear. No. I, I do
1: hey, like- if, if we edit it this the wrong way, and your husband hears that, you know, <laughs> right. going to be like, "What, <laughs> <laughs> Beth? Do you cheat?" <laughs> we can insert. <laughs> we can insert a question the wrong way. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's the way I am. I, I, I'm like, if if something's wrong, I'll fix it. Oh, I'll try to anyway. But um, yeah, I guess you have to cheat every once in a while, though, right? Yeah. I'm just gonna,
2: I, I, you know, my, my cheating is with my food and my sweets. And, and I mean, you know, that comes true. Like 18 years on patrol and input, like your diet's awful. You'd, you've got lousy sleep habits and lousy eating habits and all of us. Like I remember starting my shift every day with like two soft pretzels and a red Bull And I was like, I'm ready to go. And, you know, put on like 30 pounds later and, and type one diabetes later, apparently you're supposed to take you care of it. When,
0: when I was on patrol, we used to uh, we knew all the best places to eat. We had uh, the 110, the 115. I was uh, on, online talking to some people about it. We used to call it the land of plentiful. I used to go to one place to get my rice and beans, but I didn't like their chicken. So I used to tell my we used to drive to another place to get their chicken. And then the bread company uh, would, uh, they'd make bread at like midnight, and we'd work till two in the morning. So you stop by there for a loaf of bread, uh, right out of you could smell them in the whole neighborhood. Desserts. We had a place for dessert. No matter where we worked, we knew all the best places. So uh, yeah, we ne- we never we never suffered for food. That was for sure.
1: Yeah, you true. always talk about the you know cop food, you know, which is pizza, Chinese food, cheeseburgers. That's it, The devil of all is White Castle burgers. (laughs) Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys in the 3-2 used to bring the suitcases of them to the squad and be like, get
2: away from me. Because
1: once you eat one of them, they're addictive, but they're the worst thing for your system.
2: Oh my gosh! See, we get teas because we're in this beautiful neighborhood. So when I tell you, like our favorite sandwich shop, I get the turkey and brie with little slices of green apple.
1: Oh my god! I'm gonna have a turkey and brie sandwich for lunch.
2: Man, <laughs> if my brie gets cold, I'm not a happy girl.
0: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Is I remember right after 9 11, we were, uh, you know, they were, had places for us to go eat. Remember
1: that place downtown, Bill?
0: It was on okay, um, yeah, the
1: restaurant. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then sometimes-,
1: sometimes on, oh, Was it on Canal or Houston? House, one of those.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, I was in the family center for a while there, months. And they used to put out some spread for us. And a lot of it was uh stuff I would have never known. Like, they were coming from Le Cirque, like food from Le Cirque. Oh, and yeah. Like,
1: People donating food.
0: Famous restaurants. And we were having those type of sandwiches. And it was weird because it was like something really horrible happened. And now you're having, like, a really great sandwich. So it, would like, messed with your head.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, I just – some people in the chat, they, they're they talking about, like, donuts and coffee. I just want it out there. Cops do not eat donuts. I don't know where you guys got that from. Cops talking? do not eat donuts. I have donuts right now. Wait, I'm waiting. Really i never seen – there was a funniest meme. They had this big box with a stick holding up the box. And they had donuts on it and they had a rope. So like for a cop to go in it, like it was a trap <laughs> for a cop.
2: <laughs> you know what, it makes the best photo ops. So whenever we're having like a new student orientation or a bunch of new people at the school, of course, we always put out a spread of donuts and Danish and coffee and juice. And every single time without fail, I will go up, I will pick up the whole box and I'll stand there. I, I go one right in my mouth. they all ready to go. Go ahead. Take your
0: pictures, have fun. Once so you get powdered
2: sugar on your vest cover, it's like, I can't get that
1: to the dry cleaner now. <laughs> Bill called it a donut eater, right? Donut eating, yeah. They... Mark, <laughs> I think it's time for your commercial.
0: Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh if you don't know, well, you're gonna know right now, the best hot sauce in the world is City hot Um, I use it on all my food. I've been dieting. I lost over 15 pounds right now. The only thing that keeps me sane is Silk City Hot Sauce. They have uh, several different flavors from mild to wild, and they have crazy labels, original artwork. Uh, They have flavors like Bobby's Big, Chipotle, Aztec Attack, Badass Jew. That's my favorite one, by the way. Uh, Slurp, Mango Madness. And if you go to uh, silkcityhotsauce.com and you put in the coupon code OTC for off the cuff, you'll get a fifteen percent discount. The bottles are usually about five bucks. You get four of them for twenty bucks, and trust me when I tell you, you can't go wrong. These are uh, this is high end food, and uh, nothing cheap about it, man. It it tastes dynamite, sparks up whatever you're eating. Uh, check them out, SilkCityHotSauce.com.
1: You get you guys. Um, I can't get there. We go. You guys getting sick and tired of living in New York, and you want to get the hell out of here? High taxes, bad government, bad mayor, yes. bad governor. Yes. Carol Waters of the Beach Realty Group has been buying and selling property in the Myrtle Beach area for eleven years. Carol and her husband Rob Mayen, he was a retired FDNY firefighter. Don't hold that against him. And he also rolled over from the NYPD. They work as a team. Carol's been a multi-million dollar producer for the past ten years and they have great knowledge of all aspects of the real estate industry. Carol's a well-known around the Irish community in New New York. She worked in Fitzpatrick's Manhattan Hotel for over 20 years behind the stick. Originally born in the Bronx and brought up in County Mayo, Ireland. Contact Carol Waters for all your real estate needs in the Myrtle Beach area. Carol Waters sells Myrtle Beach at gmail.com, 914-261-6681. Now, this is a personal one. On um, we're announcing this really early, but May 18th, uh, Joe Lisi, a retired captain and the most successful member of the service actor in the history of the NYPD. He's been in over 100 TV shows and movies. He's having police off the cuff night at his restaurant, Bordeaux, on 350 West 46th Street. And anyone that mentions Mark's hair will get a 15% discount <laughs> or mention police off the cuff and you'll get a 15% discount. So that you know the other thing is our patreon please you guys uh if you're not uh joining our patreon we'd appreciate if you would uh I don't the p- ww.patreon there it is police off the cuff and on YouTube if you're not a subscriber please subscribe to our YouTube uh, on police off the cuff we now have a button you can just press that button boom and uh, you're a sub- subscriber to our youtube. We're growing yeah. fast, but not fast enough to get us out of the neighborhoods we live in.
0: We're we're building up a website, and the website is going to have a merch page on there, and we're going to come up with a line of of uh you know some T-shirts, some hats. I always wanted to do like uh, a Detective Pat, you know, I, I caught some lead and uh, Miss Homicide T-shirts, and you know, uh, you know, for for the for the really popular guests that come on often. I think they should all have their T-shirts. We want to do, uh, I don't know, all different type of merch. So that's what I'm excited about. Uh, also, I wanted—I f- forgot. We'll, we'll go back to it, but I- I'll remember it in a second. Uh, man, I-, I had something I wanted to say.
1: We'll get back to it later. Let's get back to Beth because she's feeling like a bastard stepchild right now. You know, <laughs> Now her chief's going to really whisper in her, Get
2: off that show now! <laughs> I think he wants to know if he can come up from Philly for the, uh, the bar night.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's good. People coming from. Uh, well,
0: that's, that's what I wanted to say. You just reminded me, I'm trying to talk bill into doing some minutes there. So if uh, Joe, if you're listening, Lisa, uh if you got a mic and uh, a sound system there, I'm like, what? since we're there, we might as well do put it on the show. <laughs> Even if it's just, you know, 10, 20 minutes, a half hour of comedy. Why not? I'll do it. Let's, go. Let's show, go.
1: He wants the show to be the pizza.
0: Well, we'll eat, too. We're going to eat, but that'll make people buy more pizza. So I'm trying to talk Bill into it.
1: You know, Beth, Mark is a much better comic than me, but he's been doing it for like 25 years. I've been doing it for about six, but I haven't been up in like since the summer. So when you don't do it, you get very rusty, you know, and you're not, you know, normally I could do 15, 20 minutes. No, no problem. But now I like it about. I have to really look at my material, and then I'm doing much. You know,
0: it's the cold shower. That's exactly what yeah, I, I got to stop
1: whim-hoffing. That. That's right. If I whimhuffing,
0: like, it's like you just jump in. There's no. It's never going to be comfortable. You, no, you that's true. You're, you're right.
1: You just got to jump even into when it. You're it's in your you are You got the butterflies till you get hit, and then you're like, Rah! you know, yeah, you yeah, yeah. You need a couple of shots to the mug. That's right. Same thing with NYPD. You know, you're nervous till you get shot at, then you're all right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? You're speaking about the NYPD. I Listen, Philly, I, I hope, I, I don't know, I, I read stuff. I know you guys are going through a lot of stuff over there. You're uh, working crazy hours too, but we had a crazy week over here. We had an officer that was run over. Um, and uh, I just want to, you know, I, I just feel like. We have to mention this kind of stuff on the show. Um, his name is Anastasio Sarcos, and uh, he was the highway cop. And uh, prior to his death, he was involved uh, in taking uh, – there was a scene on a highway where there was another death. It was a car accident. Somebody had died, and they were blocking off the road. And there was uh, – <laughs> he got run over by this – this uh Jessica something or other, I don't even know what her name is, but prior to that, a couple of hours before she was on a podcast and she was motherfucking the police and, and taking shots of vodka and smoking pot and all this stuff. And it just goes to show you, man, if you want to watch the manifestation of hate build up into something real, I mean, most people, when they're getting high, they're doing it for fun. She was like in a, in a bad way. And, uh, When she saw that roadblock, whatever it was on the LIE, you know, that you have to pause, she decided, I guess, fuck these cops. And she wound up taking out somebody. And the funny thing is about the whole thing is she said on her podcast, she said, I don't give a fuck about the police, fuck your wife, fuck your kid, and all that. And that's exactly what she did. She took out a a father of two young children. um, And uh, she was intoxicated. You know, and it was just because she was in this this hate zone, this just hating.
2: So that that's awful, and there's there's no there's no other commentary to that. It's just we're in some really tough times. But like I said before, that I don't shy away from a challenge. That's why I stick with this. I see this as my responsibility, and I'm one of many but I see this as my responsibility to change that mentality. And I do it by starting with the kids. And I mean, I'm talking as young as kindergarten. I'm also talking about your high school seniors, your 18 year old kids, because they need to know that we're good guys. They need to know that we across the board are there to help them, that we sacrifice for them, for their successes and for their future. So if I can bridge the gap between kids and cops, that's my responsibility and I take it seriously and I do it every day. When my energy banks are low or when they're high, when I don't wanna leave my biological kids because they're home it's homesick. when I'm having a rough day or when I don't feel it, I know some of these kids don't have it any other way and they need to know, regardless of however they associate or whatever marginalized group they feel that they're a part of, they need to know that cops are here for them and that we're not the big bad guy. And that's why I'm not giving up. And that's why I'm not stepping away. And that's why I'm continuing to do what I do because there's, there's people like that out there, but I need everyone to know. And I'm going to start with my own community. I'm going to start in my own little bubble to let people know with my words and my actions that we're here to help, to be the good guys, to be on their side, to help right wrongs. And then from my little community, it's continued to grow bigger and bigger. And I I know it sounds rainbows and sunshine, but that's my reality.
0: No, it's it's a good reality because, you know, what hurts a lot too is like um, if you buy into any of this stuff about uh, privilege or anything like that, you know, the people that benefit from good police work are usually the people that, you know, have uh, have a little bit more than everybody else. And then when you see those people coming out and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, just if, if it's just to be part of something or a part of, part of the protest, there was nothing going on for these kids to do, but uh, during the, the, the pandemic, but when you see them out there and they're, they're doing protests too in like these affluent neighborhoods here in New York. And you're like, wait a minute, you're the beneficiary of all this great police work over all these years, and now you're against us too? It doesn't even make sense.
1: No, it makes, you know, Mark, it's like <clears throat> when you think about the whole defund the police movement, it's a very small uh, minority of people that are forcing this narrative because. You talk to any cops, even in New York City, that work in the neighborhoods of color where crime is the highest, the community wants the police there. They do not want the police defunded. They do not want the police pulled out of their neighborhood because they know what will happen. But it's a small group of politicians and politically bent people that are pushing this defund the police narrative. And our friends in Hollywood You know, you see where they they will just, they're like parrots. (laughs) They'll just parrot the, you know, the the trend of the day, you know, as they drive with armed, you know, muscle-bound bodyguards from place to place in their Mercedes. And they're talking about defunding the police, these idiots. Look at
0: the ratings of the Oscars. That's all you got to know about that whole Hollywood clique. Nobody watched that.
1: No one watches it anymore. They're tired of hearing their politics.
0: When Bill Billy Crystal used to host it, and all these other hosts, that was a fun night. That was a fun. You can't watch it right now. You, it's just, it's so. Uh,
2: it, you know, it. Again, it it starts small, and it, it has to grow from the small, from that little seed. Like I, every morning, and I know. I, listen, I know you're not supposed to have your routines. Every morning, I stop at the same Wawa, I get the same cup of coffee every day. Okay, I know you're not supposed to do that, but I see the same people every day. We greet each other. That's every
1: because day. the coffee's OTA.
2: Well, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I stand in line every morning. <laughs> does
1: OTA mean I the same thing, in, thing in Pennsylvania as it doesn't. They, in they New don't York? bring
0: it to your coffee,
1: you? <laughs> Beth, does OTA mean the same thing in Pennsylvania as New York?
2: I, I'm going to make an assumption, and shame on me for doing so. But I'll tell you what: I stand in line every morning, and I wait till I get up to the front, and they say, "Have a lovely day." I say thank you so much. It's very kind of you. I appreciate it. New York City cops go like this. No, no, that no. Means no. it's free. <laughs> I, would, I would never, but I will tell you though that little community—it's like the United Nations. We've got everyone who comes in there at 6:30 in the morning, and it's fantastic. And and even when I'm working throughout the day, and and I get to see, I get to see people from everywhere, and they come up, and it—it's a shame because it's almost. They almost say it like hushed, like they're doing something wrong. They're like, officer, thank you so much. Like, we appreciate everything that you're doing. I'm like, well, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. I love doing this. And and you know, it's a shame because I almost feel like they're embarrassed to say something or, or it's okay to say it when it's quiet, but not when there's a big crowd or anything. Right. Again, so I reinforce that with my actions and I make sure that people feel comfortable. And even with the masks, you can tell when I'm smiling, like my smile hits my eyes and I tell my kids like, don't be the one that takes that smile off my face. And it's amazing that even that little smile is enough to to encourage people to come up and say hi and and just want to engage in conversation.
1: Isn't it good Oops. that the masks are going to be taken down soon? Did you get your, your well, uh, yeah, vaccine? They just did it.
2: I sure hope so. I'm waiting. I'm well past two weeks past my second shot. I've got acne like a teenager down here. This is terrible. Do you know how much spackle I had to put on this, you know, before?
1: <laughs> I hate wearing that damn mask. You know, well, I, it's I take spin up, in New York, take a spin class with that mask on. You can't breathe. <laughs>
0: you know, In New York, uh, now if you're fully vaccinated, whatever you could, you don't have to wear your mask in the street. Uh, is, and if you're with a group of people who are uh, fully vaccinated, you can, you know, you can be with them. Um, so it, it's and and I think right now, de Blasio just opened up the city July 4th at 100 percent, July 1st. So um, if he's doing July 1st, that's because he knows by June 1st, it'll be pretty much completely open anyway, because if you've been vaccinated, you know, and it, it, Listen, I want to be a gentleman. I want to, you know, play the role. But I'm fully vaccinated. If it's eighty degrees outside, I'm not wearing my freaking mask. I don't give a shit. Fuck you. What are you gonna do? You so know, I, did, I did the whole thing. I played so, the whole thing.
2: Just hit our news just this week uh, about what what Pennsylvania's governor has suggested as far as our mask mandate. I'm looking forward to it personally, but that being said, knowing the position that I'm in, knowing the uniform that I wear, I'm not going to be the first one that's walking around without the mask that says, you know, I'm not causing the controversy where someone's coming up to my community or my chief or my school board or my elected officials and saying, well, how come she's not wearing it?
0: No, I mean, obviously when you're working, you have to do, you have to do what you have to do. But, um, you, you you also have to stay ahead of it, and that's what I think everybody's aware of too. Because you don't want to take the the average person, the non criminal, and it's eighty five degrees now, and they're like, "Fuck it, like I got vaccinated." What you don't want to turn that guy into somebody who's technically breaking a law, right? So that's why you got to stay ahead of it, and that's what they're doing right now. They're staying ahead of it. They realize, that, you know, the vaccination numbers, and not only that, but in New York City, I don't know how it is in Philly, but. Um, they, they've opened up the vaccinations pretty much to everybody. You can go to almost anywhere right now and get a vaccine. And there's plenty of places I, I noticed the other day that um, there's no line and there's nobody coming in. So wow. at some point, once everybody has the opportunity to get the vaccine and they don't choose to, all right, listen, you know, we have to move on.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Like my, my son is 18. He turned 18 in February. Uh, he just got his first shot and, you know, super excited because the second shot is scheduled for Mother's Day. So that's that's what I'll be doing.
1: You <laughs> can, can be miserable on Mother's Day after <laughs> you
2: get shot. I'm, I'm hoping maybe my husband takes him for his second shot on Mother's Day. Like, maybe I'll get to sleep in that day. That would be fantastic and bring me McDonald's when you come back. Huh. Um, you, you know, so we'll see. But my daughter's is 14. She, uh, she would like to get it. But, you know, right now in Pennsylvania, it's anyone over – It's approved for anyone over 16. I think it's open for anyone over 18, but any more, anytime I turn around, there's plenty of emails that are coming through and notifications that are coming through for clinics and, you know, just show up, register your name. I feel like it's everywhere now.
0: A 12-step woman said, in Wood County, Ohio, the law enforcement officers were given only vaccines that were left over since they're perishable. I don't know. That's not nice at
1: all <laughs> well that was in the beginning but now the vaccine's so plentiful that they're giving yeah. it to everybody in fact you know in New York City the cops should have got it first and they didn't and that's that that is also just to show the disdain for law enforcement by elected officials that the police weren't first on the list because so many cops in the beginning got COVID because
0: they were working
1: 12 14 hour shifts and then when that's the a- uh, the protests, they, you know, they were dealing with all the protests for 12, 14 hours, and they weren't vaccinated. Well, and there was no vaccine dying. yet anyway, but they weren't, uh, they weren't on the list to be first, you know?
2: Yeah, it, it was scary at first. I, I remember how I was reacting in March of 2020 when our schools shut down and, and you know, when we were taking extra precautions at work. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. And, and, I mean, I say ridiculous, but it was keeping our safety in mind. I mean, it, we had... It was even before plexiglass. We had tarps set up and duct tape and hand washing stations and alcohol. And I'm telling you, when you could find when the distilleries stopped making booze and they were making hand sanitizer, like police cars were lined up because they're like, We'll take care of you guys. And I remember thinking, especially, you know, being um immunocompromised and and my daughter as well, I'm sure she would love that she just that uh, she heard me say that. You're but out of- we were really we we're really worried about it about our own safety and my husband's a cop and I'm a cop and and we've got autoimmune disorders and like now what do we do and for a little while when this first broke out you know my sole job was to stay healthy that was what I was tasked to do because if our department went down they needed an insurance policy of someone who could work who was available who could handle things and it was you know it was scary here we are a year later, and I want to say that I've I've let my guard down somewhat. I'm not going to do anything reckless and irresponsible, but I'm definitely ready to resume most of what was my normal.
1: Well, you know, Beth, I go to the gym, and they these guys with these spray bottles. They're like, shh, 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 shh. I'm just like, dude, get over it, man. And it's like you got to wear like a diaper to work out because all the equipment's wet, you know. I'm like, how did my ass get wet? Then I realized the like, guy sprayed the hell out of the damn bench, you know? Yeah, but you know like, what? And the, the CDC said you can't get it from contact of, on a surface. But the memo didn't go out to these idiots in my gym. They're spraying the hell out of things, you know?
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the horrible thing about this uh, pandemic has been, you know, it, it affects some people really, really bad. Like, for example, the NYPD is still losing members just this week. Michael Mundy, uh, he, he died of COVID. He was in uh, seven, uh, the 7-7 seven seven precinct. Uh, and, you know, so we're still losing members of the service. It, it hits some people really, really bad. That's the, that's the messed up part about this. And, you know, we get uh, the people that I just read it today. The people that tend to suffer from, uh, you know, the... Uh, The after effects of the COVID shots, the vaccine shots, those are people that are probably more, were more susceptible anyway, you know, and uh, probably already had it. So that's why you're, if if you have, uh, you know, the second shot really throws you for a loop, they're saying you probably already had it before.
2: Oh, no kidding. So my husband had it. It's funny too, because he, well, I mean, it's not funny, but he got sick on our wedding anniversary. I just thought it was an opportunity.
1: That's a sign. That's definitely
2: a sign. (laughs) It was our 21st wedding anniversary. I'm like, if you you don't have Chinese food, that's fine too. (laughs) That's the
0: body body telling you something.
2: But when he got the shot and, and again, I'm not going to diminish anyone's reaction to it or or the losses that people have suffered, but it's funny. I I bust his stones all the time because his experience with COVID was that I called it that he had like a man cold for a couple days. Uh And when he finally got his test results, it came back positive. I'm telling you, he walked into the room and was like gloating as he showed me the phone. He's like, look, I'm positive. And I'm like, okay. Awesome, great, but yeah. but his experience, and again, not to minimize anyone else's experience with it, is that he was inconvenienced and he didn't feel so great for a couple of days. So I, it's all across the board.
1: It has to be do- really the, the whole thing. Really, is how it turned the world upside down. Besides, of course, people that died from it, and I, yeah. we all took it very very seriously. I feel like I've been pretty much locked down for almost a, a year. You know, yeah, yeah. last March we were supposed to have. We were we were doing this in a studio in 35 Worth Street in Lower Manhattan, and just everything got shot down. And but luckily, we segued right into doing this on Zoom, and then we segued into doing it on Streamyard, and now we're international stars.
0: Well, that, yeah, All you know, <laughs> well, Bill brings it up. You know, you know, there's so many people experience so much hardship during this, and there's also you know if you want to look at uh some things that have come out of it there's some you know you wind up toughening up a lot of people toughened up and uh you like for example soul joe richardson he does the shows out in uh, rutherford pa uh no Royceford, pa you know he could have shut down the comedy there he has a comedy club there but instead they put it outside until they could tolerate that. Then they put a dome over it. He said the best comedians in the world come through this place. Um, and it, there's all these examples of uh, people that you know, just kept pushing, even though the tide was hitting you right in the face, Bill and I continuing to do this podcast. And now we do it like twice a week, which is <laughs> it's once more than I'd really rather do it. <laughs> We were doing it once a week and now we're doing it Monday and Thursdays and, uh, it, it's grown, and we learn how to do it. Bill knows how to operate Streamyard. Who'd have thought? Who would have thunk it? <laughs>
1: like putting a highly up, skilled individual knows how to make up overlays,
0: yeah. overlaying, video, yeah. pictures. Beth,
1: yeah. I'm doing a low tech show with you. I didn't have any videos waiting. You know, I could have had videos of you dancing yeah. at at the school party. You know, but I didn't. I didn't choose to do that. You I didn't that want to get you video. in trouble with your husband, even no. though he might be at work right now. You know.
0: What what is your husband's a sergeant you said?
2: He is. Yeah, he uh he's in the so I told you Pennsylvania's like super fractured. He is in the the township right next to ours. So we share a border street. So I've been on the job for just coming up on 24 years. He's at 25 years. So we're we're the old heads. And um he's the supervisor for their community response unit. So he gets to do all those all the fun things in his department as well, as well as answer all of the the long-term problems and handle a lot of community poli- uh, complaints, but what
0: is, what is your retirement over there?
2: uh I don't know what his is, but I know that we're uh, we're looking. Well, you should like know that. that that's a lie. I don't know. Oh, she it. knows, she
1: knows right. every dime and every check. You know lie. how much he it puts her down I almost she bought it. Hey, for well, you're missing ten dollars. This you check kidding me right now.
2: All right. Well, let me rephrase that. Um There's talk of the drop and of going into the drop. And I'm not going to suggest that there's a countdown timer on his phone, perhaps. But uh, but I know that if we align our plans properly, that, you know, in about four years, we're both looking at, at hanging up our gun belts and really just.
0: No, but what, what is it like on the books? Is got to do 25, you got to do 20. Well, How for me.
2: So for me, I need both 25 years of service and 50 years of age. So I'll have the years of service, but I have to stick it out until I reach the oh, age. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, we had the 20, 20 and out.
2: Yeah, I thought I was doing the super smart thing. Like my my route was high school, college, police academy, right on the job. And I'm like, oh, you know, I want to help people. I was 21 years old, no life experience. They're like, here's your gun, here's your badge, here's your keys, don't get lost. I'm like... Now what do I do? Uh-huh.
1: And you, know, I you picked up a PhD along the way, so it's yeah, not like good. you're that was not good. going to be working at Mickey D's after you retire, you know?
2: Well, I've, I've never wanted to be one that, that fit in, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I meant that I've wanted to be a standout in my work and, and in my in my career, in my reputation. So I just, you know, I love what I do, and really, believe it or not, the, the doctorate came about because of the anti-police rhetoric, you know, this like pulling cops from schools and school resource officers are the big bad monsters, and I'm like, that's not what we do. That's not who we are. And that is really what drove me to say, like, nope. I'm putting some research behind this. I want to get the word out there. So, so when when you say like. Hey, you know, when Mark said, I started this mentor counseling thing, no, like there's a national model out there. The National Association of School Resource Officers stresses that we serve three essential functions in no particular order. We're law enforcement, we're mentor counselors, and we're law related educators. And I'll tell you what, most of us, you know, we identify as that law enforcement because we're wearing uniforms or we're keeping kids safe or we're carrying guns. But I'll tell you what it is that we're actually doing during the day is we're actually doing those mentor counseling activities. But that doesn't make the news. Nobody hears about that. Nobody wants to talk about it because it isn't exciting. So that's why I was like, I got to get this out there. Because if you're talking about defunding police and pulling cops from schools, you need to know what it is that we actually do. I want you to be able to have an educated mindset behind it. And that's where that PhD came about, because I'm like, you're not going to take my school from me. These are my kids.
0: Yeah, and you know what? These kids that are getting bullied, they they can't go to the teachers anyway, even or even the principal, the dean, because they can't really do anything. I've got There's news for there. So at least the the, the school people can can set, tell the cops. Yeah, but here's the really
2: cool thing about it. You know, so I, I'm a cop, but here's the thing I know who's dating who, I know who's friends with who, I know where they live and where they hang out on weekends, I know their extracurricular activities. So, you know, when someone's looking at security footage, I can identify a kid based on their gait or based, based on their sweatshirt or on their backpack. I get to know all that other little stuff. That intelligence information is huge. If I had a dollar every time a kid came up to me and was like, Officer Beth, I can't go to my guidance counselor, but, you know, or when a kid comes up to me and they're upset because they had unprotected sex over the weekend and now their belly hurts. Or when a girl comes to me crying because there's one girl in school that she told her boyfriend not to text and he texted her anyway. And now she's in crisis mode and she wants to hurt herself. like. Cops don't deal with stuff like this.
1: You know, Beth, that is so important. And the trend in a lot of places is to take cops out of the schools. And it's such a mistake because cops really have that sixth sense and the intuitiveness that lets them figure things out before, you know, these violence interrupters, as they call them in New York city. And some of these social workers, cops, uh, they belong in the schools, I believe. Like, a, a that's when those
0: fights start. Like you, should, yeah. you just mentioned, Beth, you just mentioned, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, he texts uh, the boy that I told her not to text. And that leads into uh, that comes back to the school. And that leads into a fight after the school where guess what? Somebody has a knife now.
2: Yep. Yep. Or, I mean, listen, as simple as this, I I hate to say it. And I mean, listen, I work in a great school. I mean, like we have every resource under the sun. If you can think of it, we have it. but there's still 1400 kids there. So what are you still gonna have? You're still gonna have fights, you're still gonna have thefts, you're still gonna have drugs. like let's let's be realistic. But here's the thing if it's if it's a Friday afternoon and tensions are running high, I don't know, let's just say right before spring break or right before Christmas when everybody gets all amped up or just a regular Friday afternoon. And you two are going at it in the lobby and I hear your voices getting loud, okay? Because we know that's what happens. And either one of you drops your backpack and the jacket comes off, maybe you're tossing your glasses to the side, We know what's gonna happen. I haven't lost my police skills just because I'm kindergarten cop. I haven't lost my 24 years of situational awareness, but here's the really cool thing. Because I know you and because you know me and because you know that I'm invested in your day to day, I can yell out, Mark, Bill. And if I can get your attention and if I can distract you for that moment, you might not wanna be interested in fighting each other because you know that I'm locking eyes on you and then I'm watching you and I can prevent that fight.
0: And you know what? Worst case scenario, you could use that. Is that what you carry behind you? That uh, those? What is that thing? That's what you. That's what you pull them apart with, with during the fights. with I, I, I like. This? I like wood. What is
1: that?
2: Use that too.
0: It looks like something that you like. Separate people. All
1: time shillelagh. You know. I thought I you were going to say, know, say shillelagh. shillelagh. You know, Beth. I want to just read some of the comments in the chat because uh, we want you to walk away here with a big head. Uh, Dr. Sanborn has a lot of stories and energy. Very interesting, and can see her being loved by the kids. Ooh, <laughs> that's so nice. Um, there's a couple of more. Uh, hello, Heather. <laughs> so, uh, I had a, there, there was a bunch of them. Now I can't find them. Anyway, people are impressed with your energy and the, you know your commitment to these kids. Before I just go back, I just want to. This is a. Um, I told her I would do this. This is a sweatshirt being sold. Uh I can't see the top of it now, but uh it's for the benefit is for the Brian Simonson Foundation, who was a detective who was killed in a line of duty. And the other one is for the Detectives Endowment Association. Um, and and the last one is Blue Lives Matter. And I can't see the top of the flyer right now to give you the address, but just know that this is posted on the Police Off the Cuff site on Facebook, and it's a great cause for $50. You can buy a sweatshirt, and it has the NYPD logo on it, and all the money is being donated to a great cause. So um, that's... Uh, hey, um,
0: you know, Emma Roth, who's on the comments, she asked, how long is the police academy? Um, well, in New York City, because in she's in Sweden, and in New York City, the police academy, it, she says in Sweden, it's three years. No, yeah, you, you, I guess you go out in the street for six months. Well, you go to the academy for six months. You go to the street for six months. You keep coming back for three years. In New York, you go out, you go for six months, and then they throw you out there to the wolves. Uh, what about Philly?
2: Yeah, so our academy is about six months, same thing. And then most departments has a, about a year probationary period, and then you can, it can either be extended or you could get some remediation, remedial training, uh, or, you know, it could be extended. It's been a while since I've revisited that.
1: You know, but I don't think that, you know, you can really compare Europe to the United States. And one of the biggest reasons is a thing called guns, you know, and they don't have one thousandth of the guns that we have in Europe. They just don't exist in Europe. And in fact, the police in Scotland, they don't carry guns. And they actually sent some NYPD chiefs to study how they do that in Scotland, which, which I, I thought was pretty ridiculous because, you know, again, there's, there's not the proliferation of guns in Scotland that there is here in the United States. I can
0: tell you how they do it. They're very polite. <laughs> it's all about being polite. Excuse yeah. me, sir. Would you mind stop beating that guy in the head with the brick? I didn't do that. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't realize you were behind me. Over here, would we'll be like, "Hey, what the fuck are you doing?" And like you know, <laughs> that agitates him even more. It's, it's just about being polite, man. I've watched a dozen, uh, more than a dozen YouTube videos because I was studying England. Like, first of all, England has a car somewhere in every neighborhood that's loaded with fuck, with guns. So that's what happens. You you might be on a footpost somewhere and you're not armed, but there's a car. Co- you know where the car is. Or there's there's guns close by if you need them.
1: That that that's Beth smiling. That's a smiley police department that they have. She's happy. She, you know she, she she's home. Someone's cooking her breakfast or lunch. You know she's getting that brie turkey sandwich delivered to her house. You know. and she is. She's always smiling. She's in the kitchen. And there she is in uniform, so it's a little different. And then she's on a TV show, so she's she's making the rounds. She's getting famous. She's preparing for that career after the police.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny. I, I like I said, I love what I do. I, I'm in no hurry to give it up, and, and I, I see it as my responsibility to help to help build those positive relationships. But you know, it is kind of funny. You cannot have a whole department of people like me. My chief, but was. Put it pretty bluntly, a few years ago, he's like, "Listen, you know, I I wholly support you wanting to be a better person and to educate yourself and and like continue to learn and do stuff and and I publish and I write and I present and I do all of that. He's like, but uh, you know, if we've got a fight at two o'clock in the morning in a bar, I don't care if you have a PhD or not. Like, I need someone who can go in there and separate everyone, keep people from getting hurt. I'm like, sir. I get it. You have to have a good mix of people with a lot of different skills. And, and I just, I see myself as having a unique skill set, but, you know, it's it's fun. And I love to show it off.
0: You know, it's funny about New York, uh, NYPD. When I came on the job, all you needed was a GED. Um, and or if you had military, that was great. A high school diploma was all you needed. And then all of a sudden they needed college. And a lot of these kids that get the 60 credits that they need to get on the job usually finish it off in, in, in the four years they get the degree. So the fact that, you know, they came on the job and now you're at a footpost somewhere at a protest and people are yelling and spitting in your face and cursing out your family. Uh, you're yelling at a college graduate. You realize that right now? you know what i'm saying it's not like the the gd guys that i came out with or the people that went you know got a gd were right into the military no it, it's not like that at all and those guys for some reason uh, they they wouldn't tolerate any of it
2: so you know you know, it's, it's evolutionary. Everything, cha- every industry changes and policing is no different. And we're professionalizing and we're getting, we're getting better gear and we're getting better equipment and we're getting better training. And, and, you know, no longer are the days of like the dumb brute, you know, like with a strong back and a weak mind. Like Hey, Hey,
0: Hey, Hey. <laughs> no, no, nine years.
1: I <laughs> Beth, oh, I nice. think that <laughs> the public, the public, especially elected officials have unleashed, realistic expectations of what and what the police can do and how much the police can take. If you watch the riots in New York city over the summer, they were being attacked, but people on the other side were seeing peaceful demonstrations. <laughs> but the, proof of the pudding was that 500 cops got hurt. So the cops get hurt in peaceful demonstrations. I don't think they do. So someone's lying, you know,
0: well, we're getting robots now. Did you see that video of the, the, the coming out with the guy in cuffs, and then all of a sudden a robot comes out? And it's like a it's in the shape of like a dog.
1: Yeah, no, they already they already nixed that. NYPD just nixed it. it why? Was, because the public didn't like it. They didn't like the robot it was too dog. Effective. You know, I'm Fido. Please put well, your hands up. <laughs> it,
0: it, you know why? Anything that's effective, uh, you know, they're gonna step in. And, and, and challenge it. You know, the facial and recognition.
1: Remember the, 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 Orlando,
0: the Orlando, the Orlando
1: shooting? They Which took one? the guy out with a bomb. He killed 46 people and the chief there said, I've had enough. And he sent in a robot with actually a bomb. Yeah. And took guy out.
0: Oh, it's coming. You know, and the the irony of it all is there's no arguing with, uh, with a robot. You know, a cop <laughs> is going to probably, his partner is going to be a robot. And when it comes time to arrest somebody, he's just going to send the robot over there, and he's going to sit there and go tase, tase, cuff, cuff, and he's going to go through the things on his little keypad, and the person's going to be arrested. And there's going to be no uh, argument. My uncle works so and so. I'm sorry, I did this, and it's going to happen. It's going, it's coming. I mean, they already, they already came out of the freaking projects with a robot. Yeah. They're letting you know it's coming. You you could protest it all you want. It's coming.
1: Well, you know, the police departments have to use all their tools. Over the summer during those riots, we never used mounted. We never used our horses. We never used drones. You could use drones to to see where the crowd is going because the crowd. They didn't want people
0: getting arrested. That's why. Well,
1: that's exactly it. They, they wanted, they, the mayor said, I want a soft touch. So they didn't use, he wanted, they didn't he use aviation. It. Everything that you
0: see, every single piece of graffiti that you see in this city, anywhere in the country, is deliberate. They've wanted it there. There's a purpose for it. I know what the purpose is, but I can't say it on the show because we will be canceled.
1: Because Beth's here. Anyway, Beth, you're working with the the kids, and that's fantastic. And, you know, we have some guys across New York City, retired cops, that run programs that are so fantastic. uh, There's a guy named Pat Russo who runs New York City Cops and Kids, and he runs a boxing program. And it's in all the inner-city neighborhoods, and it's fantastic. And he's got kids from his program that are going to the Olympics. That's amazing. He's got kids from his programs that became New York City Cops. He has kids from the New York City Cops and Kids program that have become hugely successful in, in the private sector. So those are the type of things that if the elected officials want to spend money they should spend it on kids programs that before they get in trouble, get them out of gangs, get them out of MS-13, you know, get them out of the Bloods, get them out of the Crips. Instead of giving them money not to kill each other, let, let's see how tough they are. Put them in a ring, you know, put them in a martial arts class. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. That's where they got to invest the money, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the hobbies that my husband and I do together and, and throughout our marriage, we've had different hobbies that we've done together. And I think that's been the happiest times of our marriage. When we do something together, when our when our hobbies have have separated, that's when we have the most troubles. But we both do. We both do Muay Thai boxing. So
0: oh,
2: when we're not, here, we're at the gym beating each other up and it's it's not domestic violence because, well, it's controlled and we're paying for it. But you know, it's fantastic and, and it gets that aggression out, but it's fun to have something like that to talk about because I'll tell you what, one of the first tournaments that uh, my our son, when he was doing jujitsu, he went to a, a charity tournament and he was wrestling against one of my school kids. Wow. And it was so exciting because he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you know me, I know you. And I get to cheer for them, and and it's something that we can talk about. This kid walks the halls of my high school every day, and every morning he says hi to me, and he's wearing that same jujitsu sweatshirt. And it's a great it, it, listen. It's a you don't get those relationships otherwise, and it's something that we can talk about. I had a kid who graduated a couple years ago, and he was troubled. I mean, like he was troubled. He he had a lot of encounters with law enforcement outside of school. I said, you will never ever ever have another cop that's gonna advocate for you like I am, but once you leave these doors, once you leave those protections, I, like I gotta let you go. I, I'm, I can help you as much as I can help you, but this is on you. Well, listen, he was a fantastic boxer. I mean, sometimes it was organized and other times it was just an assault, but like he might come in sometimes on a Monday morning and his hand was all bandaged up and he was wearing a hospital bracelet and I would look at him and be like, what'd you do? What'd you do? You did something. What does the other guy look like? Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, it's something that I can talk to him about.
1: You know, jujitsu is probably the greatest martial art. They should really incorporate that more into law enforcement training.
2: Yeah, you know what? They, there's so many jujitsu programs for law enforcement out there. Now, I will tell you, I'm 45 years old. After I did my Ironman, I need two knee replacements. I've got degenerative discs in my back. I mean, this is – like my body is atrocious right now. But I still do my Muay Thai boxing. I'm just – Super slow. Um, I could never do jujitsu just because I don't have the range of motion and the flexibility that I would like to. My knees just don't work like they're supposed to. But I think it's I think it's fantastic. I tr- I try to do my best with my physical limitations.
1: Well, we we had two uh, retired. No, actually, one of them's retired sergeant who's a third degree black belt has his own school in Staten Island, and then we had another uh, guy who retired from the NYPD and is a cop in Fort Lauderdale. And he was a second-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu. And I was like, wow, that's, I mean, that's a really impressive uh, thing, you know. Uh, And, and, you know, they're they're taught how to, you know, basically immobilize someone without having to strike them, you know.
0: Yeah. I wanted to get into it, but most of the time if, if I'm hugging a man, I don't want to hurt him. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good Mark he still pulls out a gem of a joke every once in a while I just thought of that right
0: now Hey, I just want to mention this because we're getting co- uh, close to clo- uh, closing time here you know we just had a guest on the show uh, Marianne McGinnis and uh, she was on with uh, Dr. Uh, Washko, and we were talking about suicide and this week we had another uh, police officer who committed suicide. Uh, his name is uh, Rory Denhill. Uh, he was 34 uh, years of age. Um, there's plenty of uh, out there, plenty of things out there, plenty of people to reach out to. Even if it is, just call me. You know, just call me, call Bill. I mean, if, if you're down in the dumps, if you're a fan of the show, um, and we'll guide you in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Absolutely. This is not. This is not something that we should, you know, we got to look out for each other.
1: You know, I I saw a guy, a a sergeant uh, on Facebook, put out his his cell phone number and say, anyone's even, uh, you know, thinking about suicide, call me anytime, anywhere. And he goes, and I'll talk to you. Well, not no, no, anytime. That's, that's, that's if pretty you want, generous to do that. I think. No, it's know?
0: great. It's great. But if you want to call
1: me, call me between one and like. Three <laughs> yeah, two. yeah. They're gonna make an appointment to call you. That's real generous. <laughs> doctor Stephen Moskal, <laughs> our, our superstar uh, suicide prevention doctor. Also, uh, I just want to mention Marianne McGinnis. Marianne McGinnis, who you were just referring to, she was on um, uh, Jay, uh, on Jay Wiley's show, and he he. Um, emailed me today, actually called me on the phone today and said how great of a guest she was. And thanks for referring her, you know.
0: Yeah, I think she's tuning in tonight. I think the next move is to get her on uh MC Audio's show, Mike Cologne. We
1: could do that just by ordering him to do that right now. He's small, we could just slap him around, you know. (laughs) What's up, his career up? We're we're engineering that kid's career, you know. He's from Connecticut. When I tell you he's going to be a broadcasting superstar, yeah, he's
0: great. The he's kid's great.
1: amazing. He's got a great voice. He, preparation, he's preparation. He makes Mark and I look like elementary school students, yeah. even though we probably look like that anyway. But he's Thank so for,
2: good. Give him my name and number then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but he, he's so good. And when I, he's, he's in college. But when he gets out of college, if one of these networks do not hire him, they're crazy. He's, he's gonna be that good, you know. It'll happen, and then he's gonna forget us. Yeah, he's gonna forget us. He'll be like, You guys didn't do shit for me. <laughs>
0: hey, if you're out there and you're a fan of the show, uh, please consider joining our Patreon. Uh, we put up uh, special uh, shows for you there. Bill has a true crime show that's very, very popular. Um, I do a one on one. And, uh, you know, we're putting money back into the show. We're building up a website and, uh, you know, things are happening. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube uh, page, please do. Um, every subscription means a lot. You know, we're, we're trying to get to uh, a, a threshold here and, and and make the show bigger. We've had a couple of uh, people that have reached out to us and been very, very kind with their words and, and saying how much the show means to them. So, uh, we want to say thank you to all those people that, uh, that you know, reach out to us and, and say, tell us that.
1: You know, I could just like to say that on um, Mark is actually going to be away on Monday, May third. He's doing a show for Compound Media because he's a big time comic. They don't invite me, but that's all right. So I'm doing a show and I'm going to actually have a, a guest host, Phil Grimaldi, retired second grade detective who sounds just like Joe Pesci. He's going yeah. to be the guest host. And we have a guy named Don Young, who is a retired NYPD street crime sergeant. But when I tell you about this guy's military co- career, it's unbelievable. He's been he's been in Bosnia, he's been in Afghanistan, he's been in Iraq, and he works with them on IEDs and the investigation of IEDs. He's gonna be an incredible, incredible guest. He reminds me of Christopher Strom, who wrote Brooklyn to Baghdad, a very similar type guest. But you could see these guys are superstars off the NYPD, they take what they learned in the NYPD, they take it out into the world, and they say, we are the NYPD. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like that, that Phil. That anyway, on Tuesday, I have, which is not a scheduled show, my real crime show, I'm going to have retired detective Bob Miladinich with superstar OCME chief of staff Barbara Butcher, and we're going to talk about the uh, serial killer, um, no, I can't think of his name. Uh, Rifkin. Joel Rifkin. Oh, okay. Incidentally, Bob Mladinic Yeah, went yeah, to yeah. Read right
0: about that. Yeah, he Who went to...
1: think of that. He they were friends. went to high school with Joel Rifkin. They were good friends. Yeah, they were good friends and I was like, "Oh, excellent. I have serial killers. Done. They're not bad people. They're my <laughs> friends too." But anyway, Bob Mladinic and Barbara Butcher. Barbara Butcher is I mean, I did a show with Barbara Butcher on Duty Ron. 54,000 people watched it because of her. I won't say duty, Ron, not because of him. He's good too. But Barbara Butcher, you put her name out there, she's a superstar, and she's got a book coming out. Anyway, I'm plugging everyone else, but Mark. Mark, you want uh, any other plugs?
0: No, no, no. Uh, I once again thank you, uh, everybody that came out for the uh, the comedy album recording that I did, and uh, I'm gonna take the pictures for the album cover on uh, on Monday. I have a great idea. I hope everybody likes it. Uh, it's going to be a little crazy, a little bit uh, edgy, and hopefully it'll get people's attention. Uh, that's what we're doing Monday, and uh, I think the turnaround time, I think it's like 60 days, so it'll be available uh, in 60 days, but uh, that's all I got to report.
1: I want to also thank uh, Dr. Beth Sanborn, Detective Beth Sanborn, Mommy Beth Sanborn, Wife Beth Sanborn, and I hope that you don't get in trouble with your chief. We tried to be a little tamer than usual, but you're a good sport. You're a really great person, and uh, I, if I was in school, I'd love to have a, a school resource officer like you uh, looking out for my watching my back. In New York City, SRO means single room occupancies, so it's good to have SRO in Pennsylvania mean school resource officer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have any final
2: words, Beth? No, I just want to thank you guys for having me. This was a blast. Anytime I get the opportunity to talk about what I get to do and what I love, it, it, it just it means the world to me. I, I want I want people to know that there's good folks out there, and and you guys included. So that that means a lot to me. Thanks so much. You know, Thanks, Beth, we're you trying know.
1: to keep the word out there. We're trying to keep the word out there that the police are good people, and we when when people talk against the police, we want to call them out too. You know. Because that's part of who we are. We didn't forget that we were cops. We didn't forget that we knocked down doors. We didn't forget that we arrest bad guys. You know, so we're still the popo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Beth, and for everybody that tuned in tonight. Thank you so much. If you donated to our uh, super chat, uh, we really, really appreciate. It. Did we give a shout out to the people that give out the super chat? On yeah,
1: the- uh, there was two. Ron, woman, thank you so much. Uh This does help us uh, yeah. stay in coffee because they don't give us free coffee anymore because we're not on the job anymore, you know. So. No,
0: no, it helps us because uh, this background I have is actually a green screen. And they <laughs> said if, if, I, I got to pay rent for it. Uh, they said uh, I got to downsize it next month <laughs> if we don't make the nut. All right. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Good night
1: for everyone that listened tonight from Bill Cannon and Mark DeMeo, Police Off the Cuff, and Dr. Beth Sanborn, thank you so much for watching.